Warning! This episode contains foul language, graphic descriptions of mortuary practices, and discussions of death and funerals. Any censored segments are for legal purposes only. listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange and unusual, living and dead, wacky and wild, and everything in between. Each week we get to sit down and chat about something weird, except this week, because we aren't releasing a new episode. <laughs> and you might be thinking, but Ashley, this is over an hour long. Are you just going to talk to us the whole time? And the answer is yes. In this essay, I will, I'm just kidding. This week, we are taking a short breather so we can prepare for our near-death experience series, which seems like it's going to be massive, but we decided to release an episode that was released in our Patreon in February of 2021. I love all of our bonus episodes. For those of you who aren't patrons, it's a little bit like Keep It Weird After Hours. All the rules get thrown out the window and we share some absolutely bonkers stories. But this particular episode was very special because it was a surprise for me from my very good friend and Patreon co-host, Amy Hanselman. She arranged for my other best friend, Leah Campbell, to call into the show as a guest and answer all of our burning questions about life as a mortician. Leah went to school with us in Southern Illinois, but not in our department. She was in the Mortuary Science Department studying to become a real-life embalmer and funeral director. And at the end of the episode, I get to talk about eels. I hope you enjoy this episode and consider joining our Patreon to get two, sometimes three, bonus episodes a month. The way we fund this show is through donations. If every one of our listeners donated as little as $1 a month, we would be able to continue producing the show every single week ad-free. Just head to patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast to find out how you can help us produce this show and get a ton of perks in return. So, without further ado, I give you All is Fair in Death and Eels. Hi, weirdos. Welcome to Keep It Beard, your $10 Patreon bonus episode, and it's already February. All I've done (laughs) in 2021 is have surgery and eat pudding, so it's nice to be talking again to friends. If you are tuning in right now, that means you donate to our show and you are made up of sugar and spice and everything nice. My name is Ashley, and I'm joined today by your monthly Keep It Beard host and my favorite gal pal, Amy Hanselman. Hi, beardos. Um, Ashley... Can you hold on for one second? Yeah. I'm going to need you to just not look at your phone. Oh, okay. 
Are you taking a nude? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think that's any of your business. Hello. <laughs> All right. <gasps> hey, Beardos, welcome to your monthly Patreon episode where we have a secret special surprise for Ashley Cassidy. It is what? one of our bestest friends in the whole wide world with a degree in mortuary sciences, Leah Cannibal. <gasps> Hello, weirdos. Thanks for having me. Leah! <laughs> Hi! Hi! How are you? Oh my god! I'm good. My hands were sweating because I knew I had a surprise coming, um, but I didn't know what that meant. Oh. And I did think it was a nude, but this is so much better. I can send one if you... How dare you? <laughs> I would accept a nude and I would be very happy to accept a nude, but this is so exciting. So exciting. My knees are weak, my palms are sweaty, my arms feel heavy. Mom's spaghetti. Uh, there's so much spaghetti everywhere. <laughs> the spaghetti is everywhere. <laughs> Uh, listeners, we uh, have been friends for with Leah for such a long time. She uh, has a degree in mortuary sciences. We all met in college. And then uh, Leah used to live in L.A. And uh, she no longer does. But when she did, Ashley and Leah hung out all the time. So this is a very fun surprise for Ashley. But also, this is a great surprise for you because we have planned in Ask a Mortician episode where i'm going to ask leah and of course ashley you can ask any questions you want i have prepared them oh my god i know that you are going to talk about eels Ooh, but yeah. if you have any questions that you want to add of course you feel free to Listen, but i have already prepared questions fuck eels wait i, I don't even like <laughs> i kind of want to talk eels. about death and eels <laughs> yeah death and eels all is fair all is fair in death and eels um, yeah, no, this is amazing. Leah actually um, was planning on visiting Los Angeles last summer, and we had a whole episode planned. We still have the episode planned. We're still going to do like a cool episode on like death and, 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 you know, death practices around the world and funeral stuff and whatever. It's going to be a lot of fun. But um, Leah had to cancel her flight because it turns out we're in a deadly panini. Who knew? Oh, this panoramic ruins every podcast. It really does. We would have had so much fun, but we shall do it in the future. My favorite P word I heard someone say the other day was we're in a pandemic more. <laughs> oh, man. That was a good one. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I love that. Fucking absolutely. Let's ask a mortician. Yeah, ask me anything. So, well, first I was thinking if you kind of want to like just give like a super quick overview of kind of your career to kind of explain to listeners uh like whether or not you are still a mortician and and what you're doing now. For sure. So, I went to school for mortuary science and funeral service, which was a bachelor degree. It does it's not always the case, but the university I went to it was. And then there is a uh, internship you have to do after you complete your schooling and to start getting your um, accreditation. So I did my internship in LA and I ended up actually working for that mortuary for I think three or four years afterwards. I'm not currently a practicing mortician anymore. 
But I wouldn't mind getting back into it at some point and in some capacity. The death care industry is pretty wild. So there's a lot you can do with it. There's a lot that people don't do with it. And I'm sure there are a lot of questions about it. <laughs> there, there are lots of questions. I asked a lot of people, including Bumble Matches, what they wanted to ask you. The number one question that I got was from Laura uh, Colin. She was, nope, Laura LaRue. She was very <laughs> excited to ask, are dead people filled with tumors during embalming? <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> now, uh, Laura says that she's heard this multiple times from multiple sources. I could not find a single reference. Laura, send me whatever you found because I, I can't find anything. It's definitely not true. And I don't mm -hmm. know is why. Just, I don't know why it's a rumor. Is it just that people just assume that everyone has so much like cancer that we just don't identify? Do you know what I mean? Like how it's like the reason that we don't give people just like willy nilly MRIs is because everyone has so much hidden shit in their body that won't actually kill them, but like might cause stress or whatever if they found out about it. Have you heard that before? Yeah. No, I've not heard that before. Basically, we all have cancer. We're all just a walking tumor. Oh, okay, cool. Well, <laughs> embalming fluid can give you as the embalmer cancer if you're exposed to it too much and oh, without great. proper protective wear. The cancer rates in embalmers are higher than in just normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill folks. But it does not fill the dead person with tiny tumors, I am sad to huh. say. Well, that makes sense because honestly, when uh, Laura said that, I was like, I've never heard of that in my entire life. Yeah, I wasn't sure if she was uh, saying like so that makes sense. the the process caused tumors or like I said, like people just in general are filled with tumors all the time. Also, I think she more meant like if you're putting tumors into the dead body. Would you uh, So in the embalming process, some things organs are taken out or whatever, but you kind of just put a straw in there and suck it all out. No. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> yes yes and Ashley no Ashley thinks that like you're just stealing organs from I dead just, bodies I just I saw a Tales from the them. Crypt episode once I like it um, do you want me to just kind of give you a little rundown of what embalming looks like yeah. in, on an average case yes. yeah. okay we can put some of these rumors to, to bed. bed so <laughs> when you're embalming a body Typically, the body is laying out on a table that's specially designed for embalming. It has a drain at one end and some little channels where fluid and blood can go down to the drain. Um, you've seen them in movies and on TV. Yeah. And the embalmer will make a small incision right around the collarbone. And then they'll have their little tools and they'll dig around in there until they find the carotid artery and the jugular vein. Ugh. And then you pull both of those to the surface. So you're not cutting into them yet. You're just kind of pulling them to the surface. Then you make a small incision in the artery and you insert the little um, device that shoots the embalming fluid into the body. And then you cut a little hole in the vein. And so the embalming fluid is pumped into the artery, goes through the body, and then the blood is pumped out through the hole in the vein. <sighs> and then the straw... <laughs> <laughs> is like what you get from mcdonald's the straw is just like it's like a more like a capri sun really it's pointy on one end if it was like the one you get at mcdonald's it's a square 
and the bottom of it is a spoon. <laughs> it's a spoon on one end. <laughs> it's just like a McFlurry spoon. They're actually manufactured by the same company. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm learning so much. Thank you, Leah. You're welcome. So in in the body through the arteries up up by the shoulder, we probably pump in somewhere between two and three gallons of fluid. So we're not replacing all of the blood, but we're distributing embalming fluid throughout the body. So it goes through the arteries and then it works its way through all the little capillaries into your skin. You, the dead person in this scenario. <laughs> and you can you can kind of see it working because it gives the skin like a little bit of a pinkish lifelike hue. Now, when we're talking about the straw, that's something different. So that's called a trocar. It is a really long hollow needle that's pointy on the end and you stab it into the abdomen I think it's, I'm trying to remember exactly where it was. It's been a few years since I've stabbed anyone with a trocar, but you do it near the navel and there's kind of a pattern that you follow to, and you just kind of learn as you're, you know, practicing, but there's a pattern that you follow to puncture the lungs, the organs, like you, you just kind of move the needle around and you puncture all these organs. And then through that needle, you, and you inject a stronger embalming fluid that works its way into those organs. But you don't take them out. You don't suck them out. You don't suck them out. Okay. You suck out some fluid, but you don't suck out um, the well, organs. Well, Tales from the Crypt lied to me. So Unless you're... <laughs> if you're doing an autopsy, you take them out and you look at them. So really, though, if, say, a body did have a bunch of tumors in it, like, say, um, like where my mom's tumor was, like, in her arm, you wouldn't even really know as the embalmer. Not unless it was visible, but the tumor would probably yeah. mess up the embalming. Like, it would probably cause the fluid to not go past the tumor in some way like it would block it so you you might figure it out and you might know from the family you maybe you met with the family and you know that they died from a cancer and you know where the tumors are but yeah unless it's visible you as the embalmer you wouldn't really know unless it causes a problem well that's thoroughly disgusting (laughs) yeah it's pretty gnarly it's pretty nasty it's pretty stinky and (laughs) I would say it is definitely the least glamorous job in a funeral home. But probably you have to be like the most educated one, right? Like you have to know what you're doing to embalm people. Right. You have to be licensed. Um, You have to have completed an internship and so many hours of embalming under your the supervision of someone who's already licensed. So it's it's a pretty thorough process. Um, I was never a huge fan of embalming. It was never really my favorite thing to do. But I'm not really a big fan of that part of the industry anyway. You know, all the chemicals and the... I'm over a fan of the the natural green burial movement. Yeah, Right, where you like compost people into a tree. Yeah, just compost me. Yeah, what do I care? Yeah. Take what you need. No one's going to want any of my organs anyway. It's like, here's a weird weird kidney. Here's some eyes that can't see shit. My ears You're enjoying my terrible eyes. Ashley, Ashley, you can <laughs> donate your organs and then after that <laughs> they can compost you. Oh, for sure. No, I'm saying like I'm definitely going to donate, like take what you want from me and then just like crunch me up into a cereal bar or like whatever you want. It doesn't matter. I'm dead. Yeah, I would. Concur. Yeah, cereal bar. Okay, so here was a Bumble question I got. What do you call like... Are they clients? Like the people that you work with, are they customers? What do you call them? The dead people? No. Or the, the living the, people? They're, they're families. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't think I ever referred to anyone as a client or a customer. I think that you would typically just refer to them as the family of the deceased. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, they are customers and they are clients, but I just don't think that's verbiage that's really used in the industry. Yeah. I've never heard anybody be like, yes, clients at our funeral home, because that's like, <laughs> that's like such a fucking bummer. Right. Like, we all know we're part of capitalism, but Jesus. It does imply that they are returning customers, which is usually true for funeral homes. People usually go to the same places that they that their families go. They go to the same mortuary unless, you know, something bad happens. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to make sure that your Yelp reviews are on point. Got to get those positive Yelp reviews. Got to get those posy Yelps. Um, so his other question was actually, what what's the best conversation that you've had with a family member um if you're you know willing to share that if not that's totally understandable the best conversation you know it's been a while so a lot of the details have kind of slipped out of my mind but i when i worked in the funeral industry i did everything so i met with the families i embalmed i did hair and makeup casketing drove the hearses to the cemetery you know the whole shebang so I I did talk to families quite a bit, and I did enjoy that aspect of funeral service. I'm trying to think of what the best conversation I ever had. I, I mean, of course, like, it's great to see people who really loved and respected the decedent, which is the dead person for you non-biz folks. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, it's it was always nice to to talk to people who really had a great love for the person who died. You know, it's always fun to see old photos. Um Sometimes I would even get presents from people. So that was pretty cool. So that was pretty awesome. That was pretty great. Uh, For those of you listening at home, you might not know this about Leah. She fucking loves presents more than a normal person. Like way more than a normal person likes presents. Leah fucking Fucking loves loves presents. presents. Leah actually made me love presents. Ooh, because I'm so good at giving them. Yeah, remember that one time you gave me, um, you gave me a scarf and some books, like used books, but the present was so spot on that I thought you were just returning things. Like I thought that was the joke. <laughs> I literally opened this gift and was like, "Oh, ha 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 ha!" Like, yeah, okay, thank you for giving. Oh no, I don't have these. Aren't no, this is a present. I literally thought she was like, as a joke, happy birthday. Here's your stuff back. <laughs> wow. That's like, that's what a, such a good I present. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good you, gift. You're a really good present giver. Uh, what present did you get for, for your funeral, or, um, for your client or whatever, for the family of the decedent? What did they give you that was the best present? One, I can only remember three off the top of my head. One gentleman gave me a watch for helping get his father Whoa. buried. Um, he said that he, this was so sweet. He said that he noticed that I wasn't wearing a watch because I never wore a watch in those years um, because I have mm-hmm. a phone. Um, so he noticed I wasn't wearing a watch and he brought me a watch and gave it to me. I thought it was very sweet. It, um, I didn't wear it a lot because I don't really wear them, but... I happened to be wearing it the one day that he popped in to pick up the death certificates (gasps) certificates for his father. And I have never prayed harder in my life. Like, thank you, whoever is out there who made sure I put on this fucking watch today. Because I got to be so nonchalant and be like, oh, this old thing. Yes, I wear it every day. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cute. I'm so glad you wore the watch that day. 
Thank Christ. And then another oh. man gave me a spoon rest because his wife was being shipped to Aruba. She was from Aruba. And so I helped him get the paperwork from all the necessary government paperwork and helped um, get his wife packed up and shipped out to Aruba for burial. And he brought me back a little spoon rest that said, I heart Aruba. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I said he got you like a vacation trinket. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. I still use it. I use that freaking spoon rest all the time. And then the last one I can think of is a card that a woman made me out of like scrapbooky type material. Like she tore paper and glued it with a glue stick and like wrote nice calligraphy on this card. But it was from her dead mother to me. Like she wrote it what? as yeah, she Whoa. like wrote it as her mother thanking me for helping get her settled. Wow, that wow. is I'm half <laughs> creeped out and half like about to cry because that's so beautiful. I was you gonna say, yeah, like that's super creepy, but also like I want one. Yeah, it was really sweet. I actually just found it in a box of cards. I didn't even realize that oh. I had kept it, but I found it a few months ago and thought it was sweet. And then I was like, maybe I should get back into funeral service. Yeah, that's I mean, that's really incredible that um people just have like such a connection to you that they like make you that's so incredible like and those are very thoughtful gifts that they brought you i don't know so yes. much about the the shot glass slash spoon rest that you got <laughs> i think it's hilarious and awesome but like it's almost like they got you a keychain that was like <laughs> oh yeah I, he definitely I, picked I, it up in the airport I, yeah for sure but like the the watch and and that card those are that's really the incredible fact that he, yeah the fact that he thought about you at the airport oh, yeah at all at all it's amazing right i mean he was paying me for a service there's no need to get a gift yeah like i am compensated for my time i'm not just helping out of the goodness of my heart but it is always nice to feel appreciated take your funeral directors folks <laughs> <laughs> we we need to open up a mortuary uh or funeral home or whatever and we'll have a tip jar in the front totally. Ooh, that would be cute <laughs> in the lobby yeah hundred dollar bills only please <laughs> okay how many dead bodies do you think you've seen oh my god <laughs> i have literally no idea i don't is know it more than would, 500 do you think i would say maybe 500 is a good guess mm -hmm. no i've definitely seen more than 500 i have no idea i have no idea how many i've seen what was it like the first time you saw one, like when you were in mortuary school? Or I'm sure maybe you probably went to a funeral before that. But like when you were actually in mortuary school and you saw your first dead body and had to like work with your first dead body. I don't remember it as being any great experience, to be honest. Like I know that's not really <laughs> the answer that I think you wanted to hear but i think i was just kind of excited to get in there and get in the lab and start working and also the bodies that we had in mortuary school are were so old and kind of picked over that's kind of gross but um so you use the same body for a long time in or the same wow. cadaver for a long time in in school like it's not like we were just getting fresh bodies in all the time how it worked was we would get a donation an anatomical donation and we would embalm the body in the mortuary school in our laboratory. And then we would do pretty much like a heavy duty embalming where we're kind of just pickling the person because mm -hmm. then it's going to be sent over to the medical school and they're going to do their dissections with this body. So it's like practice for us for practice for them. 
Okay. Yeah. I got to do a lot of dissections and dissections are gross. I don't like them at all. When you were in mortuary school, mortuary sciences, were were you in class with anyone who was going to school for like forensics? No. A lot of the people I went to school with were from smaller towns and a lot of the people were actually going into their family businesses. So mm-hmm. they would come to school to get their license and get their degree and then go home to the small towns and start taking over the family biz. So a lot of these people already knew what they were doing, but we didn't have any forensic students. I actually don't know who those people are. Where do they where do they go? What school yeah, do they go I was to? Wondering, <laughs> I was wondering <laughs> I know that SIUC now has a body farm. Oh really? Yeah. Where they're awesome. testing, you know, the decomposition stages on campus somewhere. But uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know like if forensics would take any classes, like if there would be any crossover. I would imagine there's crossover, but I can't remember ever meeting anyone who was in forensics because I feel like I would have picked their brain until I changed my major. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like my life would be different. Totally. I I did take some pathology classes, so I'm sure that if the forensics people were around, they were probably in that class. I just feel like forensics is like not a thing that is as much of a thing as we think it is. Just because like, you know, we watch like, uh, you know, all those dumb shows that are like, oh, we found CSI. You know, yeah, we found like this partial f- fingerprint and now we can match it to the database and then they run it through a computer and it's like, that's not true. That's not how they do it. Like none of that is true. <laughs> so I, I feel like, of course, there are people who go into forensic sciences. I I bet that at, when we were in college, like there may not have been a forensics program probably not because i mean you see like uh uh, hospitals especially depending on the size of the hospital yeah there's there's really like there's like a lead coroner and an assistant coroner and in a lot of small towns that is the funeral director usually the funeral director is also the coroner which isn't like a written rule but a lot of times who else is going to run for coroner but the local funeral director yeah well don't you have to be a doctor to be a coroner I don't think you have to have a medical degree. I could be wrong, but a lot of um, funeral directors in small towns run for coroner as well. The more you know. That would explain why the coroner in our town was so shitty when I was researching the uh, John William Shakespeare (laughs) murder. Yeah. Right. And it was like the coroner didn't even check to see if he was sexually assaulted. This gay man who was murdered, who was found tied up half naked. And it was like, what do you mean? It's like, men don't do that oh my god i know it's 1975 but come on anyways go on what's the craziest thing you've ever seen at a funeral like bad behavior it can be great so craziest is however you interpret it it could be like something beautiful and sweet or it can be like somebody slapping the dead body it could be whatever you want (laughs) damn i kind of wish i'd seen somebody slap a dead body unfortunately (laughs) i missed that part if it happened. But the funeral home that I worked for in LA, we were more of a budget option. So we were in the valley, we had a lot of various religions and cultures that would use us. And I guess the craziest thing is just about perspective, you know, because like a lot of cultures have different ways of mourning. A lot of cultures are a lot more Um, vocal about it you know like a lot of crying and wailing Mm -hmm. and some are very reserved and very quiet and they just kind of go through the chanting and get it all over with 
but I don't I didn't I don't think I ever saw anyone behave badly at a funeral. I kind of wish that I had because that would be way cooler. But, you know, people are kind of on good behavior at funerals. They feel weird. Anyway, they don't want to be there. Right. They just like come eat some pastries, look at the dead person and leave. Sounds and about then right. I vacuum up the pastry dust. <laughs> are you allowed <laughs> Are you allowed to speak about the time that the body got shipped to the wrong place? Country? <gasps> oh my god. I really Because that was fucking crazy. I I honestly don't know. I'll talk about it, and then if we have to cut it, I'll do some research and see. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. At least we get to know no matter what. (laughs) Right. This is definitely one of the craziest things that ever happened. So one night at the funeral home, and the company that I worked for, we had, I think, four or five different funeral homes in different areas. So a lot of times, if someone dies overnight – our removal service, which in a lot of places is done by the funeral directors or the, the people who work at the funeral home, but in a big city, you usually have a removal service that you call to go pick up the person who died from wherever they died. Like if it's 2 a.m., I'm not getting out and I'm not going and picking them up. Right. Someone else is doing that. So we had two men picked up in the same evening and somehow the toe tags got switched around mm. and no one realized it until the wrong body was shipped to and buried. Oh my God. Yes, it was. And buried. Horrifying. It was horrifying. So I wasn't involved until the error had been discovered. I worked at a different funeral home or a different location. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't even touched anybody at this point. So we basically come to find out that um, we have shipped the wrong body to because the other body was set up for the funeral in the viewing, the wife came in and said, that's not my husband. And the funeral director who was there said, oh, I'm so sorry. This just frantically trying to save face was like, oh, I'm sorry. We must have just not set up for your funeral yet. Give me just a minute. Oh, Ran no. back, realized what had happened. And it was compounded by the fact that one or both of the families did not speak English and all of our forms were in English. So they had signed away a lot of, they had signed a lot of forms that they didn't understand just with right. the funeral director who spoke kind of interpreting as they signed, but they, they weren't presented with forms. And so we realized the wrong body had been shipped to and already buried. It was summer. It's freaking hot. We have to now work with the consulate to exhume that body and have it shipped back to the U.S., which is no small feat. Like, once a body is buried in another country, it's freaking hard to get it back. Yeah. There's a lot of red tape you got to work through. There's a lot of a lot of shit you got to do, and you don't have a lot of time on your hands to fix it. So we got the body back from um, Of course, I get to be the person who has to <laughs> take this person who had been buried for, like, two weeks and try to make them look presentable for their wife. So that she can view the body and be like, yep, that's 100% my husband now going to be buried in Los Angeles, Um, which was horrible because the body was already kind of dried out. It had been through an airplane. It had been buried. It's hot. Like it was a nightmare. But yeah, I know that there was ongoing litigation about those, (laughs) about that mix many years. (laughs) I was going to say, it's probably still not settled, to be honest. I'm sure it's not. Like we had, we had freaking like vans outside of our office every day trying to get statements from people i mean i get it it was a horrible thing i mean accidents happen 
Right. This was an easily avoidable mistake. It was very easily avoidable. The reason that it happened was just like negligence. You know, somebody that wasn't paying attention and everything went wrong. It was truly a horrendous experience for everyone involved. There are some jobs where you can like you can get away with not paying attention for a shift. And then there's that job. You don't pay attention and you send the wrong person. <laughs> Where you have to out pay of the country all the time. <laughs> yes. Wow. Um, that's one thing that I know we talked about a lot when you were still working towards being a full time mortician, where it was like the politics involved. Yeah. It's very much a boys' club. A boys club and it's just sort of like a family, you know, families just continuously pass it down through generations. So it's like if your father didn't own the funeral home, good luck. Exactly. I kind of got to a point where I felt like I had moved as far up as I possibly could with this particular company. You know, it's not like I was going to get promoted to owner. Right. Or, or, you know, promoted at all because it is such a boys club too. There's definitely a stigma about f- female funeral directors just because the- people think that maybe we can't move the bodies as well, which is, you know, sometimes true. Of course, I don't have the upper body strength that most men have. Mm-hmm. I have to, I have to manipulate my environment to get the same job done. It can be harder, but it can be done. So it can be, it can be treacherous terrain if you're a woman trying to get ahead. Uh, do emotions come into it at all? Like, are they like women are too emotional to? <laughs> Probably. I don't know. No one ever said that to my face, but <laughs> I would think that people probably have that opinion. But I think that women are, especially in the funeral director role, like the counseling, helping prepare the arrangements with the family. I think that women are much better suited. I would rather talk to a woman than a man. Same. Yeah. It's the same with like therapy recently when Kaiser, my my healthcare provider, is like, would you prefer a man or a woman? I'm like, woman, every time. Like, just mark down woman for everything. Well, yeah, and I, I was I was man. thinking about it when you were like, yeah, this is such a boys club, which, you know, I, I remember you talking about and being frustrated by. It kind of reminds me of like, uh, women are expected to cook all the meals, but all of the famous chefs are men. And it's like, okay, so women are the ones who are generally responsible for like taking care of people's emotional needs. But when you d- get that done professionally, the people getting paid to do it are fucking men. Even though I would only ever want a woman to be like helping me guide through the like worst day of my life, you know? Exactly. 100% totally agree. Yeah. Well, we're going to have a female-only funeral home, and it's just going to be you, and then the rest of us will be, I don't know, puppeteers? I don't know. We'll figure something out. <clears throat> not with the dead bodies. Ooh, yeah, be puppeteers. Not with the dead bodies. I'm not. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> no, what are you I just meant, like, <laughs> you know, in the back room, we'll also have, like, a puppet show for the kids, but I not with the dead bodies. I That's very terrifying and creepy. Right. I didn't mean it like that. Yeah, well, there are no dead bodies. No dead bodies. We don't do that. (laughs) What is the weirdest thing that somebody stole from your funeral home? I remember you said lots of people stole shit. Well, I don't think we really had anything out that (laughs) we would be too upset if it got stolen. You know, like people steal Kleenex boxes and shit like that all the freaking time. But we did have some coffee tables get stolen at one point. Coffee tables? Yeah, like little side tables. You know how funeral homes usually have like a loungy area with Mm -hmm. like chairs and side tables and lamps and like pictures of rivers and shit yeah like some side tables from that area were stolen 
which is fine. Like, whatever. You know, they were like oak side tables from the 80s. I feel like I it was probably time for an update though, anyway. Someone like sitting in this like funeral parlor in the lounge area and being like, don't you think these are cute? It's pretty nice. These are fucking cute. <laughs> you think we can get out the door with that? Yeah. I don't know. Funeral parlors to me, it's it always seems like almost like a church. Like it's always associated to me with like a church. Mm-hmm. So it would be a little too sacred for me to steal something like that from a funeral home. I'm, well, actually, I'm trying also, to think of like weird death wh- juju in true. it. True. Yeah, you got to think about that too. What's swarming around in yeah, there? Yeah, you don't want that. But Leah, you would uh, you would bring us gifts from the funeral home though too. I remember one time you gave Laura a tiny coffin. Or no, it was like oh, the yeah. the end. It was of the a, corner piece, yeah. the display. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would get some pretty cool death paraphernalia during that time. Like um, you gave me what Ashley urn. is referring to. Oh yeah, cool. What urn did I give you? Um, I don't remember. It was like bluish. It was like a, a dark a bluish, bluish urn. urn. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. Ashley may have gotten rid of it because she doesn't seem to remember what. Did, it have was. you mm-hmm. seen my tchotchkes? I'm literally sitting here like, <laughs> which which vase is the urn Leah got me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would get cool um, stuff and flowers. My apartment was full of flowers. I remember when you I having a lot of industry. flowers. So many freaking lilies. They make a sneeze though. What is the weirdest request that a family member has made, like, whether or not it's about, like, the funeral, body preparation, music, whatever? And, like, I understand that you worked with a lot of people who have different cultures. So, obviously, like, removing, you know, people who were like, oh, you know, we're culturally different. I mean, like, weird requests. Okay. This is easy. I know exactly. Um, At one point, I was dealing with a family whose daughter was my age and had committed suicide Mm. and the mother wanted to come with me and to help her to help get her dressed so the embalming had already (gasps) been done and thankfully she looked great like she looked beautiful they did an amazing job on the embalming for her and restoration she looked phenomenal but the mom wanted to come in the back with me and help get her dressed and get her ready just kind of like as her last way of taking Mm -hmm. care of her daughter um And this woman was very spiritual in a way that I am not. She had already lost a child. Mm. (gasps) And yeah, she had already lost a child. She had lost her son years before. I don't remember how he died, but she believed that she could converse with him from the other side. Like she believed that her son would often talk to her and move things around the house and communicate with her. She actually wrote a book on it. And she felt the same way about her daughter. She felt that her daughter was speaking to her and manipulating things around her house in order to pass messages along to her. So she wanted to come and she wanted to be there when we were getting her daughter ready, Um, which definitely makes my work environment a little more stressful. Obviously, I have to really be mindful of her of what's going on with the mom the what's going on with her feelings like how how can i help without overwhelming her Mm -hmm. um it's just not something that i typically had to deal with which i didn't mind like i don't mind talking to people i thought that it was really nice that she wanted to to get her daughter ready and i kind of wish more people would be involved in that way like getting a decedent prepared for burial i think could be a very good method of closure for people yeah for me my mom always said you know when you when there is you know open a casket casket funeral or whatever you always she always touches the body so now i always touch the body 
because that was her way because like you can look at something but you could still be like that's not real your brain can like protect you from it and be like yeah but it's not really happening she's like so if you actually touch the body and like no and so now that's what i do at funerals and it does uh it's harder than just looking at the body for sure but it does help yeah it gives you like a tangible feeling Mm -hmm. you know you can confirm that they are dead you can feel that their their skin is cold they are 1000 percent dead they're like petrified like wood they're not okay well I have to tell you guys a story about my mother who, uh, opposite of Ashley's mom, uh, when her dad passed away, you know, open casket and they had a viewing like before the funeral and, and my mom is a nurse. So it's like, she's, she knows what's up just like Ashley's mom. And, uh, she went and she kissed her dad on the cheek and screamed because his, because he was so cold and she just wasn't expecting that. And so now she is like, I'm not going to run around touching uh embalmed dead body she's i'm i'm sure she's seen so many dead bodies i've i've never asked her that question probably fewer than you um leah but maybe not i don't know but she's like no we don't touch dead bodies in this house because <laughs> it's cold and it's gonna creep you out yes you should be prepared for what you're about to do for sure yeah it it's cold, cold and creepy cold and creepy is it hard is the body hard yeah it can be the body's definitely stiff or stiffer than um, maybe you would be used to, but the it, it depends on the embalming. You know, sometimes skin can still be soft and tissue can still feel soft, and sometimes it feels much harder. And it just depends on the level of embalming that's been done. Okay. For me, it feels everybody's different. It feels like you could knock on the body, and they would be like thump thump thump. <laughs> like that's how it. That's like that's how stiff it feels to me. I usually don't like rub my hands all over the skin, though. It's usually like I'll touch a sleeved arm. <laughs> you give it a give it a quick yeah. knock. Give it a quick knock and just make sure. <laughs> that's how. That's actually how we test to make sure people are dead before we bury them. We just knock on them. Knock on them like a piece of wood. Yeah, for sure. That's gonna be like a new term for me as opposed yeah. to knock on wood. Knock on totally corpse. So she. Wanted to get her daughter. Was that the end of the story, or did something weird happen? Nothing weird happened. Okay. Her. This is kind of gross. Um, her daughter still had a tampon in, and she noticed, and she was like, oh, "Okay, Whoa. well, this explains a lot to me now." Because the embalmer hadn't taken the tampon out. Honestly, why would they? I don't know why they would take out something that's stopping someone up. Maybe they just didn't notice. Like I don't know. When I was embalming, I never like looked in there to see what's going on. <laughs> But she still had a tampon in, and the mom was like, oh, okay, well, now I understand. And that just really freaked me out. (laughs) Now I understand. Like, I get why she killed herself. It's because she was on her period. That or maybe she had sent a message to her mom about taking removing something from her body. Oh, And so maybe that was like, oh, now I get what she was trying to say. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that, but maybe so. She was a very interesting like... woman. <laughs> but that yeah. does seem like a weird reaction. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know if, if I would call her weird because she was in mourning and people definitely do strange things when That's they're true. having the worst day of their lives. Like she had lost her child. Of course, she's going to be acting a little strange, but she was definitely spiritual in a way that I had not seen before. Well, that story went somewhere I did not expect. Yeah, 
Yeah. And we had a lovely funeral for her. It was Good. beautiful. I'm trying. Well, what was another one? Okay. So my funeral home also was, this is what I was told. I don't know if this is true. I have no way to verify this information, but my understanding of our funeral home was that we were one of the only funeral homes in the Los Angeles area that would do funerals for the Romani population. And a lot of that was just because funeral homes would get very dirty when Romani people did funerals because they would have a big barbecue pit outside and a lot of tar would get tracked in. Mm. Like they had the big, I don't even know what you call them, like the big ass barbecues. Like the ones that you see on the side of the road where people are cooking a lot of meat. Oh, okay. So they would have like, like those. Like the one that you pull with your car? Yeah, yeah. Like the ones you pull with your car. They would bring that. They would put it in the parking lot. They would have like a big, huge feast. And it was awesome. I loved doing these services. But I have one image in my mind that never left me. It was so wonderful. It was like a, an old lady funeral, an old granny. And, you know, the family, it was a huge family. They were all there. And we had like the big barbecue and we were all eating. And then I walked inside just to check on the chapel and see what was going on. And there were, there were three, like five to seven-year-old granddaughters standing in front of the casket with a karaoke machine, singing and dancing in front of the open casket. Awesome. <laughs> That's dope. I loved it. It was just... I mean, those services were, they were like an actual party. Say, it was fun. I feel like that's how funerals should be. Totally. That was, those were the best ones, in my opinion. It was, I mean, seeing any kind of culture getting to be privy to those kind of death rites, it always felt a little bit like, like a, like it was special. You know, it's not something everybody gets to see. Mm -hmm. So I always really cherished getting to kind of participate in that from the outside yeah i mean uh well one of the questions that i got from somebody was uh what is your dream funeral to plan because i feel like you probably got inspiration from lots of different awesome funerals and lots of bad ones so you're like i don't want to do that Ooh, dream funeral well for me personally i when i die i don't want any of the i don't want to be embalmed i don't want to have an open casket funeral i don't even want to go to a funeral home um the industry is very backwards to me. It reminds me a lot of the wedding industry. Like it, it's so far removed from what it started as. And it's so mm -hmm. expensive mm -hmm. to do even the most basic, decent burial is still, I don't know, $10,000. Yeah. Like it's just, it's so far removed from what it should be. And it's so inaccessible and people don't know how to change it it's hard to it's hard to deviate from the norm without seeming like a weirdo right you know mm -hmm. so for me personally i don't really want any of that quote unquote traditional american funeral stuff i don't want to have open casket i don't want people to come knock on my arm like a block of wood um <laughs> i don't want anyone to kiss my chin <laughs> how am i going to get closure over your death if i, I don't can't want knock on your to... body <laughs> I don't want anyone to kiss me and scream. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, if you don't want to invite my mom to your funeral, you can just say that. Susan Hanselman is not invited to my funeral. I am so sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to tell her that. That would actually really bum her out. But I do think she yeah, hopes I that don't... you... I think she hopes that you outlive her. <laughs> if I die before her, she's invited to my funeral. Just don't kiss me. I'll okay. freak out. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'll tell her not to freak out. But it would be really fun to plan a funeral for somebody who had no budget and wanted something really wild. 
you know? I guess that would really be the dream to plan. It would be fun to to spend somebody else's money if they wanted it like that. Because I feel like my biggest thing with, uh, I, I've thought about it before where it's, a, see, the thing is, I can't really be a mortician because I can't look at uh, bodies. Like, I can't look at insides of bodies. I can't look at blood. I can't look at pee. I can't, I can't do it. Like, I just, it makes me sick. I throw up. I know this about myself. But I feel like I just, I wouldn't be able to be like, that'll be $10,000, please. Right? Yeah, it's. It's not it's not good. I don't I don't agree with the industry at all. I think that it's really messed up. I think that our generation, I mean, I hope. This is this is kind of my dream for the funeral industry. I think that with our generation and the coming generations, people will start to question the funeral industry as we know mm-hmm. it because that's kind of what our generation and the next generations do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, we're all poor. Two, it's going to be really hard for our generation to be like hand over, you know, $15,000 for our, our parents' funerals when um when we don't need to, you know? We have so much yeah. more information at our fingertips now. People can educate themselves on what is and isn't allowed, what's required by law. And I think that people will be really surprised to find out what is actually required and what isn't. Like, it's – you don't have to do any of this stuff. It's amazing. You can really do, like, whatever you want. It seems like it's a racket. It's a total racket. It's a total racket. And, you know, you're getting screwed on one side by the funeral home. You're getting screwed on the other side by the cemetery. It's it's ridiculous. You buy a casket. I'm trying to think. This was in – this was years ago. So I'm sure that prices have gone up. But at the time, the cheapest casket you could buy was a cardboard box, which was only used for cremations. But it mm-hmm. – um, it – cost a hundred dollars so if you want to be cremated you have to pay a hundred dollars for the cardboard box and you have to buy it it doesn't make any sense because it's like i could just go to lowe's yeah and get a refrigerator box pick up a box for free (laughs) and bring that in and be like use this no you have to pay you have to pay a hundred dollars for this specific cardboard box it has a wreath drawn on it so for sure it's legit and then the step up from that, if you want to be cremated inside of a casket or if you want to be buried in the lowest of the low caskets, like the most pauper's grave, is a velvet-covered composite board box that costs $500 and is as rickety as an Ikea bookshelf. Wow. It's velvet. Like, Why those is are there your velvet options. on it? It's like an embossed vel- I don't know, because it looks better than <laughs> than composite a wood. A cardboard box. Yeah. I don't know, man. I feel like I might think it's a little bit fancier if they just like spray painted the box gold. Honestly, yeah, they were they're I mean, they were trash like they're not nice. They're five hundred dollars. But a lot of people, if you don't want to spend money on the funeral, that's what you get. You get a five hundred dollar shitty box. And then from there, you want a nice casket. That's going to be five or six thousand. You want a really nice casket. That's going to be like eight or nine thousand. For the box that you're going to be buried in the ground in. And then when you get to the cemetery, you have to pay for the vault, which is usually, it's usually a concrete grave liner that goes over the casket. And a lot of times those are shaped, what they're called bell, bell shaped. So they're open on the bottom and it's just a shell that you lower from the top on top of the casket once it's in the ground, which keeps the ground from settling in on the casket and prevents the cemetery from having a lot of um, ditches and holes over the graves. 
but they require you to buy them and they are i don't know 1500 to 3000 dollars oh my god and that's not even the cost of opening the grave and closing the grave so that's literally just the concrete grave liner then you have to pay to have the grave dug you have to have you have to pay to have the grave closed you have to pay for the land itself you have to pay for the marker of whatever you have to pay kind for the marker whether it's right. a headstone or a plaque or whatever the only advice i can give is if you plan on dying join the military and get an honorable discharge and they'll pay for it <laughs> if you plan That's on it. dying if you if you <laughs> listeners out there if any of you are mortal Leah's got some some ideas for you. Got some. I've got some hot tips for you. A lot of people use their life insurance payout. Yes. Which, like, fuck that, though. Funeral expenses. I want. I know. Like, if my mom dies and I get a life insurance payout, I'm not going to spend 15 grand on her fucking funeral. Yeah, and you're also not going to have that 15 grand when you have to pay the funeral bill. Yeah. I actually, uh, I told you guys that my parents already have their graves. And they've, they, everything's paid for. Like if they both died, God forbid, knock on corpse. If they both died, (laughs) I, my sister and I wouldn't have to do anything. Everything is paid for. It's all taken care of. The arrangements have been made. Like we don't have to plan a thing, which is like, thank you so much. That's like the greatest gift you've ever given me. Um, Totally. But their graves already exist. Like, their headstones already exist. And my mom sent me a photo of them one day. I was, like, sitting at work at my desk. And she was like, we're all set. And it was like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) This is the most (laughs) morbid photo you could ever send your child. Is the the gravestone already in the cemetery? Yeah. Just with your parents' names on it? Yeah. And their dates of birth? Yep. Oh, my God. Hilarious. Loving father. That's so creepy. That really feels like tempting fate. But it's nice. But But it's nice that you and Jamie don't have to deal with that. I mean, mean, uh, my parents are planners for sure. Um, I I told my mom, I was like, that's the most morbid shit you've ever done in our life. And you've done a lot of morbid shit. And she was like, she was like, I know, I'm sorry. She just doesn't think she's been a nurse for so long. She doesn't think about it really. But I am. I was like, what you should have done, because it's in the same cemetery, I believe, as my my grandparents are buried in, probably very close to their plots. So I was like, you should have just like the next time I was home, taking me out to see grandma and grandpa (laughs) and then (laughs) (laughs) strolled me over (laughs) to your headstones. (laughs) It would have been like a a real Scrooged moment. I'd be like, what's happening? Oh I, I have a serious question. <laughs> Ashley, would you have like been like, oh, that's a really great prank. Thank you for playing that on me when we're seeing my dead grandparents' gravestones. Or would you have been totally horrified and really furious with your mother for doing that? Oh my God, I would have laughed so hard. It was so I was I already laughed, you know, I laughed hard enough that she just sent me this photo of her own grave being like, here, <laughs> babe. Happy Tuesday. No, that would have been fucking hilarious. I mean, I would have been more of a horrified at first. Oh, yeah. But then it would have been the, the, the greatest thing that she's ever done. It's That's the greatest amazing. thing she's she's never done. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you want to make sure you get it, if you want to make sure that your funeral is exactly the way you want it to be, your parents have it figured out. The only way to do something right is to do it yourself. Do it yourself. And my parents are very much so like, we don't want a funeral. Sorry. Like, we don't want a reception. We don't want anything. There's not going to be... So I'm not even going to get to knock on them. Wow. What a bummer. 
Well, you can, if you want, and I'm a very firm believer in, like, if you want to, like, throw a party where people can come and, like, sob uncontrollably, like, your parents aren't going to find out. Like, what are they going to do? Haunt her. Ground you? I'm going to get... They're not going to haunt you. No, my mom has said, she's like, all I want, like, if you do want to have something, then go to a bar and open a tab. That's a sure. great idea. Okay, there buy we go. Buy people beer and, like, talk about, you know, your favorite things. That's perfect. Even better, do it in the cemetery. Bring a cake. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, and if they and, and just, like, have a party at the gravestone. And then if they're like, hey, this is really inappropriate. You're like, well, we bought the vault so that the ground doesn't cave in. So I don't know why you're so worried about everything all the time. <laughs> We took our shoes off. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I wanted to have a party on my mom's gravestone and the like, the the I don't know cemetery was like you can't do that. I'd be like, do you know how much fucking money you gouged out of my mother so that you could have so that she could put her fucking body into the ground where we could have just thrown it in a hole somewhere. Like, we didn't need to do all of this. So you gouged me. Eat a bag of dicks. This is my gravestone. I don't care that this is private property. This belongs to Susan Anselman, even though my mother does not. She's not doing that. She wants to be cremated. But I think I'm going to try and convince her to do a green burial instead. Because I feel like cremation is, like, worse for the environment. Correct? For sure. For sure. Green burial is the only way to go if you want to have the lowest impact. L.A. had to... Uh, lower their what's the air it, what, quality yeah the air quality yeah. control rates when covid hit because we were cremating so many bodies i saw that and that was fairly recently too it wasn't that long yeah. ago, like within the past it was couple this months. year i think yeah, it was like yeah. november i think yeah it was what it was time? um i don't know fucking i don't even know what today is who the fuck knows what ta- when <laughs> i don't know i know it was like in the past few months that's all i know um leah i have one more question okay can can you just bury a body in your backyard legally? It depends on where you live, but the answer is oh, okay. yes, you can. So huh. it's a state by state, <laughs> state by state laws. In most states, I believe it is possible. However, that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of red tape. So if you want to, if you want to have a private cemetery, you want to be buried on your own private property. It depends on your state, so you know you got to look that up. Give that a right. quick Google. But a lot of times there are um, regulations on where a burial can happen. So it can't be too close to a water source or an existing building. Right. The regulations are a lot tighter in cities. So it's almost impossible to be able to bury a loved one or yourself on private property if you live in a major metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. If you live in the country, it's a lot easier. You can get those like in Kentucky. I was going to say Walnut Hill, <laughs> Illinois, probably. Right. I think you could probably (laughs) take care of it pretty easily in Walnut Hill, Illinois. But some states require you to have a funeral director, a licensed funeral director assisting you. Some states don't. Some places you can kind of like DIY the whole thing on your own, which sounds really cool. And I'm a big advocate for that. I think that it's amazing if people want to kind of take death care into their own hands. However, I do think that it is extremely stressful. And if you've never done it before and maybe – if someone dies and you haven't already thought about this, you're not going to be able to pull it together within the next 48 hours. Mm-hmm. There's just too much to do. You have to file a death certificate. You have to dig a grave. You have to get permits. It's just going to be too much to deal with. There are um, 
there are professionals who are kind of like like a doula of death, a death doula. You know, there are people who actually do that, help guide you through dying and death. But there are also a lot of people who um, specialize in these kind of like DIY, more green burial options where they will come and they will help you. They'll guide you along and help you through the process so you don't have to do it all by yourself. Right. Um, but yeah, you can be buried on your own property. It's huh. just a matter of your state's regulations. Like in California, I don't think you can. Um, but in Tennessee, you definitely can. I was going to say the South is a different uh, planet compared definitely. to the rest of the country. I figure, I feel like the South is like, put them wherever. Yeah, just dig a hole. Well, and hopefully in. that will change. Like, hopefully, like, as as our, as millennials and Gen Z is like, um, we should be doing only green burials. Hopefully, like, states like California will change that so that there are more green burials yeah. because... Although right. probably they won't because everything is run by corporations who want you to spend $18,000 buying a vault that's just an upside down shell, which is bullshit. It is total bullshit. One of my friends wanted me to speak about why death care is so expensive. What can you do to minimi- minimize your expenses while avoiding kind of a, a pauper pine box burial? Um, do any funeral homes do a sliding scale? To my knowledge, I do not know of any funeral homes that do a sliding scale. However, a lot of family-owned funeral homes, I think that if you're in a small town and your situation is well-known mm-hmm. and you're on good terms with your funeral director, like if you are a beloved citizen of your community and maybe you don't have enough money, I think that there is wiggle room because there's a lot of markup on the merchandise, like caskets, vaults. There's a shit ton of markup there. And then everything else is a service so it's it's quantifiable in price based on what you see on like the menu of services but doesn't embalming really cost 1500 or 2000 dollars like what is the cost as far as the chemicals themselves can you do it at cost um there so there's basically if there. you're poor don't be a fucking dick <laughs> yeah if you're poor you got to be nice if you want to <laughs> be, be nice <laughs> yeah it it depends on where you're from like where where you are in the world in from in my hometown i can definitely imagine that situation happening where maybe somebody doesn't have enough money to do a proper burial and you know people help them out but i bet there's some sort of services too like a uh i mean i know a lot of people do gofundmes which is basically our nation's health insurance at this point Yes. When people die, yeah. they'll set up a GoFundMe and take donations. But I, I wonder if there are sort of services like that. But then again, like those Maybe. services is like you still have to pay them. You got to hire. <laughs> right. And the <sighs> reason it's so expensive is just because it can be. Right. Because yeah. they know what they're doing and you don't know what you're doing. So you have to pay them for their knowledge. Yeah. That is literally the only reason. There's yeah. no other reason for it. All right, Leah, are you ready? Yeah, let's crank For them. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. What's the grossest thing you've ever seen? Maggots, easily. Uh. It, <laughs> do you find them a lot? No, not often, but I definitely saw some during my time. Depends on the decomposition level. Obviously, they have to be pretty decomposed for maggots to be present, but it's disgusting. It truly is wretched. That's fair. Um, have you found anything in a dead body? No. Tampon. Sounds cool, though. Wish I had. Tampon, yeah, tampon. <laughs> well, that I, I'm sorry. I don't think that that should oh, okay. count. Do you do the autopsies? I do not. 
that is a uh, um, usually done by someone who is certified to do autopsies. And in Los Angeles, that's the coroner's office or someone at the hospital. So I did not do autopsies, but I did put a lot of people back together after autopsies. So you, so you like would suture them up? Mm-hmm. Yep. Do the big Y incision down the chest and the abdomen. They, when they send you a body back that, when they send you a body to the funeral home that's already had an autopsy, most of the time you kind of get the body in a mess, and it depends on how detailed the autopsy was. So there's always, you know, the big Y incision that we're all familiar with seeing. That, go, that starts mm-hmm. in your shoulders and meets in the middle and then goes down your stomach. So you have to sew that up. You have to put all the organs back in, pack them in because they take them out and they inspect them when there's an autopsy. Do you leave them in the bags? I would usually leave them in the bags. So, you know, you get them in the big plastic biohazard mm-hmm. bag and then you just kind of pour some chemicals in there, slosh it around a little bit and then make it fit back into the body and sew it up. I know. I know. And it's really weird. <laughs> I know. It's really weird if they looked at the brain for an autopsy because when they do that incision, it basically like starts behind your ears and goes around the back of your head. And then they just peel your face forward. Uh. Like your whole scalp comes forward and they cut into your skull and take a look at your brain. It's like your your skull becomes a hat. Okay. That you have to put back and on. And they do it like that. <laughs> And they do it like that specifically so that for the viewing so that yes. you can still be viewed. You yeah, because probably know. it would make more sense to just like go around the forehead. Like that's probably the easier way to do it. Maybe. I don't I don't really know. I'm sure they do it so that you can still view the body, but I don't know if it's easier to do it one way or the other. All I know is that it is very it's surprising how the body comes in from an autopsy and then how how much work it takes to transform it back into looking like a real person. Who has not been chopped up? Ugh. Well, and it kind of it just sounds rude that they don't even stitch the. Well, I guess if the if the organs are separate, why don't they put the organ? Whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so <laughs> is it isn't it hard like being around death all the time? It was something that I was prepared for. Obviously, I knew what I was getting into. I think that being around a lot of heavy emotion can definitely take its toll. <clears throat> Um, but I, I'll say I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a psycho, but I would say that I had not very many emotions that I took home with me at the end of the day. You mm-hmm. know, you really have to separate what you're doing at work and what you're doing at home. Um, of course there are exceptions to that. Like any time that there would be a child who died, that's incredibly hard for everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, being around death all the time. Of course, it's sad, but I felt like the work that I was doing was so important, and I truly felt that I was good enough at it that I justified, you know, going through it. Like, it feels good to help people when they're having the worst day of their life. That's true. And it's sort of one of those things where it's like, someone has to do it. Someone has to do it. I know what I'm doing. I know how to make it as easy as possible for the family, and I find that super rewarding. Yeah. Have you ever seen or felt a ghost in the funeral home? I never saw a ghost. I've actually never seen a ghost. I'm going to knock on Knock on corpse. corpse. Um, <laughs> but no, I, <laughs> I never felt, I never felt a presence. I never felt weird. Sometimes if I was in the funeral home alone at night and like I have to turn off all the lights and lock up after myself and I'm the last one there, of course I felt creeped out. It's a fucking funeral home. Right. At night. It's dark. <laughs> of course. 
course right. it felt creepy. I would like turn on, I would flip the switch and run out the door. Oh, of course. Yeah, 100. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a healthy fear of death. I'm not. <laughs> but um, no, I, I don't think I, I never saw a ghost. I never felt a presence other than just my own discomfort at being in a funeral home alone at night. Well, until you got those paintings out of your garage and put them in your home. Right. Until fucking, until, until recently. Until last month. I never had any issues with ghosts. <laughs> Phantom well, Dennis. And, and when you stayed at uh, our, one of our friend's old houses was haunted Stacey's. and Leah True. was feeling shit. I did feel shit. Uh, I didn't see anything that wasn't directly in front of my face, but I definitely felt some shit there. Okay. So just But it kind of makes sense. working. Right. I think it makes sense, though, because what connection would a dead person have to the funeral home? Yeah. You know, I concur. Their I agree. There, but they didn't die there. They didn't. They probably never went there except for maybe other funerals before they died. <laughs> do Do the bodies ever move on their own? I feel like I've heard people say this a lot, and I, I feel like I've even heard other morticians talk about it. I never saw a body move on its own. The answer is a no for me, dog. <laughs> Good. I wanted the answer to be no. I really did. <laughs> well, um, Leah, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sad I it didn't was get my to pleasure. talk about I eels, had so much fun. but it's fine. Oh, do you want to talk about them for real quick? No, do you have it's any eel fine. Do you want to lay on me? Oh, okay. Okay. No, you know what? I am. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I was going to tell you about eels because it's not really that much information and i've been sitting on this for so long yes please (laughs) um eels are not my favorite animal i actually don't like them very much i feel like they are probably very slimy but it turns out they are a total mystery a total mystery because for anyone out there wondering like how do eels reproduce you're not alone because no one knows how they reproduce what? what? No one knows how eels reproduce. Nope. Nobody knows how eels uh, fuck. No. How? We've been people have pet mm, eels. No, we've been studying. They don't. They don't reproduce in captivity. They will not reproduce oh. in captivity. Now, here's the thing: there are things like electric eels, which is like we know how they reproduce. Those aren't actually eels. Those are actually knife fish. So there's a lot of fish that look like eels that everyone's like, "That's an eel," but an actual eel, like the species of eel. We do not know how they reproduce, and we've been studying them since ancient Greece, and we can't figure it out. And there have been millions of eel dissections to try and find eggs and testicles. So it's been so confusing throughout history that people usually just made shit up. Like Aristotle was like, eels just come out from the mud. Or That's like, what I was going to say. <laughs> clearly, they're not born. It's clearly, they just come out from the mud. <laughs> or it's like, eels are earthworms. And it's like, no, but okay. We do know a lot more today. We still don't know exactly how they do it, but we know approximately where they do it and at what stage of their life cycle they do it in. So one of the reasons it's been so confusing is because they have five distinct stages to their life cycle, and they're so distinct that they don't even look like the same creature. 
So like the larval state honestly looks like a bug and then they turn into glass eels, which they're completely transparent. Then they turn into elvers, which are like longer and snakier. And then they become yellow eels. And then finally, as a full adult, they become silver eels. And they're all the same creature, but it truly doesn't look like the same animal. And it took centuries before people discovered this was one animal and not five different animals. Because their body (laughs) completely changes too, like their organs change. What? In each stage. I... Oh, Ashley. <laughs> I didn't know anything about eels. This is making me way more uncomfortable than hearing Leah talk about that. <laughs> it's wild. And another part... <laughs> another part of the reason that it's so confusing is that eels don't develop their reproductive organs until their final stage of life. So if you found an eel at any point before it was a silver eel, it wouldn't even have the organs, male or female. So do they... So they don't know if people... If eels can have babies until they're elderly well they yeah they until their final stage of life they don't even have the reproductive organs so they had to find silver eels to actually even find the reproductive organs but another reason they're so mysterious is because eels are freshwater fish but they don't reproduce in freshwater they reproduce in the weirdest place on earth they reproduce in the bermuda triangle Huh? That's the only place that any eel reproduces ever. The only reason the we hell mouth. know that they do. So they, they travel all of a sudden. They're like in their final stage. They're swimming around. They're silver eels. They all head out to the Bermuda Triangle. And they do it during cyclone season. Every cyclone season, they swim out there. And again, we don't know what they do or how they do it because it's cyclone season. But they go out there. And all of a sudden... Thousands of tiny little eel larvae drift out of the sea into different continents. So that's where they do it, but no one's ever seen no. it happen. <laughs> no, this can't be. This, it honestly, like, it literally sounds like they're the highest thinking beings <laughs> on the planet, and they're literally just trying to, like, fuck with us. Like, they're literally just mad at us, and they just want to... They're just like, this will freak them they, out. They also must go there to die, because they never return. Yeah. They just swim out to the Bermuda Triangle and and reproduce somehow, and all their babies float out. Well, maybe they're like spiders who are, like, Ew. liquefied by their young when, they're, when they have a baby. Oh, maybe. Do you know at the beginning of Adam's Family Values when baby Puber is being born in the hospital and there's the little girl in the waiting room who's like, and then a diamond is placed in the cabbage patch by a stork and a baby appears. Yeah. That's, I feel like you just told me that. (laughs) Yeah. Like it is pure nonsense. Yeah. This cannot be real. (laughs) But they're also crazy because, so if a, if a fish goes from salt water to fresh water, they'll literally, they'll explode. Because their bodies can't handle the uh, not having the salt or then having the salt. You know what I mean? Like they can't handle the different, the changes in water. But because eels, like their larvae, and by the time they arrive to the continents, they're already glass eels. So they're in their second life cycle stage. And because they not only look different, they have like a, a complete cellular change in their body. So 
their let's see what is it they the eels entire bodies change their kidney shift to retain more salt and also maintain their body's saline levels so they've basically transformed into another creature but they're still an eel the same eel it's insane bizarre i don't yeah no one knows I don't I don't even know how to respond to this information. The only reason we think it's the Bermuda Triangle is because that's where we found the smallest larva. So even that we're like probably I mean that's the only oh. place we can we don't know. Somewhere around here they do it and we don't know how. Don't they have like cameras and shit all over the ocean creeping on fish all the time? No. Yeah, can't we just strap some cameras on some eels? I know we should. No, we can't catch any of them, Leah. They're too tricky, too slippery. Oh no! I uh, when I heard about this, I was like, wait a second, because I've heard of eel farmers. So I was like, so if they're eel farmers, then obviously <laughs> there are there are eel farmers. So I was like, well, obviously then they know how to re like they know how they reproduce. Then if they're eel farmers, but they're not. Um, basically, an eel farm they don't mate in captivity even if you had silver eels in captivity and you kept them uh, alive for whatever reason you wouldn't you would eat them that's why they have eel farmers but even if you decided we're keeping these alive we want them to mate they won't they'll just die they don't mate in captivity so and we have no artificial ways of like breeding them but i guess Eel farming is basically when they go out and they catch the eels when they're in their glass eel stage because it's um, easier to catch them. And then you sort of grow them on your eel farm. And it just ensures that they live long enough in captivity to reach the size and age to become food, like delicious food, delicious eel food. Mm. That's all. I do love delicious eel food. I don't think I like, I don't think I've ever had eel. I don't know if I would enjoy it. I like eel. Oh, I I mean, if you... Yeah, it's it's a uh, uh, unagi. I would try eel sushi. Yeah, unagi. It's it's good. It's also cooked eel. Um, typically, I think you can you know eat I raw have. eel. I don't know if I ever have. I have had eel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember if I liked it or not. It's it's honestly, I don't. I like eel, but um, it's like it's fine. Right. I'm not like, oh my, oh my god, god, you have to eat eel. Like if you're like, I never want to eat eel, I'd be like, that's all right, fine. that's fine. You're not messing out. You're fine. <laughs> Um, so anyways, that's really yeah, all sure. I had about eels. I just, um, I had it last month and then I couldn't join because I couldn't talk. And um, I just really wanted to share that information about eels. I love it. I think it's great. I felt kind of bad when you were like, I'm so excited to finally talk about eels. And I was like, we're not going <laughs> to well, have guess time. Well, We're not. Because I. <laughs> <laughs> well, like it was before, before we even started recording, I was like, this is going to be an episode where only Leah talks. And honestly, you're just going to have to cut this into two episodes. <laughs> so the first episode will just be Leah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. How and then the goes. second episode will be partly a part you <laughs> we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes. <laughs> partly a part you um well again leah thank you for joining us today it was my pleasure i had so much fun can't wait to have you um on the show again especially now that we know that we can do this and it's like really not even that hard so easy leah do you have anything you want to plug oh no I guess um no okay <laughs> no I don't <laughs> I have literally nothing going on. Uh, Leah actually wanted to plug uh, the show. There's a new show. It's called well, it's not really new, but it's called Frasier. 
I would like to plug the, the sitcom Frasier. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. And also, she would like to plug um, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yes. I would like to plug Frasier <laughs> and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I'm on season five right now watching it for the first time. What a trip. Amy, do you have a song for us? Oh, shit. Um, okay. Okay. Oh, death is very sad, but it makes me glad to know that eels are creepy because they're delicious and nutritious and I put them in my tummy after they die. This was an episode of death. Thanks, Leah, so much for coming on our show and telling us about the time the body had the wrong tag toe. We all love when you. <laughs> uh, oh no! <laughs> I I totally lost uh, the thread. Okay, don't steal a coffee table from your funeral home. And we have no idea where eels are born because they roam. <laughs> Keep it beard. Keep it beard. <laughs>